Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Before I read that, though, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just a couple of weeks ago, a dear friend of mine from back when I was studying in Scotland reached out to me by email just to see how I was doing. He and I have talked sporadically over the past 20 years, but very recently he's reached out to me and we've talked several times, probably because we're both feeling isolated in the midst of the pandemic. As we have been talking, we also realize there are lots of other friends that we have been missing that we haven't spoken to in nearly 20 years. And so he and I reached out to them individually and we gathered together online in sort of an online class reunion. And it was wonderful to see them after so many years, to see where they've gone and see where they're living now, to see what they're doing. It looked like actually I've changed more than anybody else, but some of them are still living in Scotland. Others are over in Europe. Uh, One friend is living in Oregon now and I was proud to tell them I'm living in Tallahassee. But it really did my heart good to see all of these familiar faces, friends that I've missed for so long, especially right now, especially during the pandemic and this time of isolation. It spurred me on to reach out to other friends, friends from South Carolina and friends from other churches, even friends from college that I have missed for for many years that I haven't reached out to for some reason until now. Because there's something about this time of isolation where I've realized how much I've taken so many of my friends for granted. And so I've tried to reach out to them, to let them know once again how much I care for them, even though I can't be with them right now like I would like to. That's the context that we're all in right now in this time of isolation. And that's really the context in which Paul wrote several of his letters. Paul wrote several of his letters while he was in isolation, while he was in prison or under house arrest, when he couldn't go and visit those churches that he loved so dearly. And so instead, he wanted to reach out to them by writing them a letter to let them know that he was thinking of them, to let them know that he loved them and missed them. And that was certainly the case for Paul's letter to the Philippians. The church in Philippi was a church that Paul loved. In fact, the first part of the letter really is a love letter where he tells them how much he loves them, how much he misses them, how much he longs to see them. And while in several other letters he kind of chastises some of the other churches for some of the ways that they've fallen away from Jesus Christ, in the letter to the Philippians, Paul is a little bit different. It's more of an encouraging letter 
A letter to give them strength in the midst of their suffering. A letter to give them courage in the face of persecution. A letter to give them that strength that they need to continue the journey of faith that they've been on and that they've remained faithful to for so long. And it's right towards the end of that letter that the encouraging words come that I just read to you a minute ago. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Turn to God with everything in prayer. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding be with you and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace that surpasses understanding. I've used those words several times in my life. I use them a lot of times when I need strength and courage or when I'm trying to offer strength and courage as a pastor to others. The peace that surpasses understanding. Now, I would like to think that peace is something that we can understand. In fact, peace is something we are called to do as disciples. We're called to be peacemakers. And peace is really just a way that you can describe relationships. A relationship between two people, a relationship between two countries, two groups. They have peace when they work on it together. When they give that peace to each other through hard work, through empathy, through understanding, through self-sacrifice, and sometimes even through humility. Peace is something that we're called to. And we're called to build between two people, two groups, or two nations. We're called to build peace together. And yet time and time again in our lives, as much as we are called to do that, we struggle to find peace, to create peace, to make peace in our world. Probably because for most of us, even though we know we're called to be peacemakers, we think of peace as something that is conditional on the world around us. When the world around us is not going the way we would like it to, our peace is broken. And we want the world to change so that we can have peace. We say things like, oh, if God would just answer all of my prayers, then I would have peace. Or if only that person that I love would love me back, then I would have peace. Or if only my children would just listen to me a little bit more, then I'd have peace. Or if only my spouse would just trust me a little bit more, then I would have peace. If only my boss would appreciate me a little more, then I would have peace. And especially now, in the midst of the pandemic, if everybody would just work together, we could have peace. Or if everybody would try to treat each other a little better, then we could have peace. We are called to work for peace, and yet it seems so frustrating that we can't find peace together. But the peace that surpasses understanding is a little bit different than that. The peace that Paul is talking about in this letter to the Philippians is just a little bit different. The peace that we're called to build as disciples takes work between two people. It's a relationship. But the peace that Paul is talking about is between us in God. That peace, that peace that surpasses understanding is truly a gift that God gives to us. That gives God gives to us in spite of what's going on in the world around us. A peace that comes when we put our faith and our trust and offer our prayers to Jesus Christ alone. It's that kind of peace that Reinhold Niebuhr was talking about in his famous prayer, the serenity prayer. Lord, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, 
What he was praying for was, God, give me the peace that in the midst of a world that is raging around me, in the midst of a world that is out of my control, help me find some peace, especially in the midst of the things that are beyond my control. Reinhold Niebuhr calls for that, and Paul calls for that too. God, give me this peace that surpasses understanding. I learned about that piece from a very early age when I was about five or six years old just by observing my mother. My grandmother was in, the ba- in a battle with cancer at that time and it became pretty clear at some point that her treatment was no longer working and that she was going to pass away. But I watched my mom at that time about just how strong her faith was and how strong she was for our family, how strong she was for her boys. And she showed that faith to me every single day. One point she put a little prayer up on the mirror in her bathroom and the prayer went something like this. God, please calm the storms that rage around me. God, most of all, calm the storm that is raging within me. It was a prayer that in the midst of all the storms that rage in our lives, calm that storm within us. Give us that peace within us so that we can face all of those other storms unafraid. That's a peace that surpasses understanding. It's a peace between us and God. It's a peace that's truly a gift from God. But now make no mistake, that peace is not meant to be an excuse. An excuse to ignore all the problems of the world. An excuse to ignore that calling to make peace with other people. It's not an excuse to forget the world and just have an inner peace within ourselves. In fact, it's really just the opposite. That gift of peace, this peace that surpasses all understanding, is a peace that gives us strength, that gives us courage, that builds us up so that we can face all of those other storms, that we can continue to be the people that God has called us to be in spite of how the world is working around us, so that we can continue to work for justice and for peace trusting in that inner peace that God gives us. You know that just a couple of weeks ago, John Lewis, the representative from Georgia, passed away. John Lewis was a hero of the civil rights movement. He was the youngest speaker at the the 1963 march on Washington. He marched at Selma and, and worked tirelessly for civil rights and equal rights in our country. He was arrested over 40 times in his life. Arrested for fighting for equality and and doing things that at that time were considered illegal but that he knew really someone had to get in trouble and do to prove a point that these things were not right. In 1961, he was arrested for using a whites-only bathroom. And he was, after he was arrested, he was taken down to the jail, and they took a mugshot of him. And if you ever see that mugshot, you can see in his face just the faintest little smile. Years later, somebody asked him about that mugshot, asked him if he was really smiling, and he said, yes, I was. And they asked him, how could you smile in a mugshot, knowing that you were facing jail time, knowing that you were facing all of this trouble? And he replied, even then, I knew I was on the right side of history. And so I had to find a way to get in the way. Even then, he knew he was on the right side of history. Even then, in the midst of that trouble, he knew he was doing what God had called him to do. And just knowing 
that he was following God's calling and following God's grace gave him that strength, that inner peace to smile even in the midst of that trouble. That's what God calls us to do when God gives us that peace that surpasses understanding. It doesn't mean we ignore the pain of the world, but we face that pain of the world unafraid with strength and with courage. And I wonder if Paul, sitting in that jail cell or sitting in that house arrest, writing his letter to the Philippians, had that same inner peace, knowing that he was following Jesus Christ even though the world hadn't quite caught up with it yet. And he wanted the Philippians to have that same peace so that they would continue the fight with him. And I think Paul wants us to have that same peace too. Because there are surely times in our lives where we would not have the courage without it. If it were not for this gift of this peace that surpasses understanding, this peace that we cannot explain, surely our hearts would fail. But it's that peace that God gives us to face the world unafraid, even when the world is raging with storms around us. It's that kind of peace that inspired our final hymn this morning, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. The hymn was written by a man named Horatio Spofford. He was a, a Presbyterian and was a lawyer, and he had a dear family, four children, one of whom was a, a young boy, but when that young boy was still just a little toddler, he died from scarlet fever. A couple of years later, while his family was still recovering and dealing with that grief, they decided to take a trip over to Europe, but his wife and three daughters went ahead of him to, to go on the trip. And while they were on a journey across the ocean, their ship crashed into another ship, and those three daughters passed away. He got a telegram from his wife over in Europe who, who told Horatio Spofford that she was the only one left, and he decided to get on board a ship and, and travel over to bring her back home. And it was as he was crossing over those troubled waters of the ocean, very close to where the accident happened, he heard these words in his heart, the words that inspire our hymn this morning, It is well with my soul. He wrote those words down, in spite of all the pain and the suffering he had been through and his family had been through, he heard these words that gave him strength, that gave him a peace that surpassed understanding, a peace that he wanted to pass on to others as well. That's a peace that we can't always explain. It's a peace that's hard for us to describe to others, and yet it is a peace that we truly need. It's the same sort of peace that Jesus Christ offered His disciples at that Last Supper when He told them, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. There's a world full of storms out there. I wish I could say our prayers would fix them all, but sometimes we are called as disciples to fight them and face them together, to work for justice and to work for peace. But we do that knowing that we can always lean on God with our prayers and our hearts and our souls, knowing that God's grace and God's love will never fail us. And so my prayer for you this day is that you may have the peace that surpasses all understanding so that we can face whatever storm may come. Thanks be to God. Amen.